Hello, everybody. That's Shift M podcast, episode number nine. Um, sorry for a delay in recordings. I'll try to, I'll try to make them regular every week, as I promised. I'm gonna publish um, each Monday. And this time it's gonna be me alone. I will actually, I will also try to make uh, uh, next episodes either educational, and I'll be myself discussing some management problems, or I will invite uh, guests for um, you know letting them share their ideas about management. So it's gonna be either teaching you something, I will try to you know share some knowledge I have, or there will be people coming in and then it's gonna be some conversations and discussions. So today the subject is, uh, the topic The topic is um, estimates. That's really popular question, people asking me time to time of how actually we can estimate uh, tasks in software projects and um, what's the right approach to that because most of us actually have problems with that. We don't know how to estimate right. We, it, 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 is, a, it is a difficult area because of the, of the issues we'll discuss now. So estimate basically is uh, is a prediction of how much time will a uh, certain task or maybe the entire project will take. Uh, now let's focus on estimating individual tasks or tasks which cover a number of activities, maybe not just one activity, but a group of activities, but not the entire project. So the question is, how can a, a single particular programmer predict how much time will it take to solve certain problem or to implement certain feature or to fix a bug? And usually managers, or if you, even, even if you don't have managers and you have just a, you know, a group of people which is a self-managed team, so-called, then still you need numbers to predict what's going to be uh, what's going to be the future on how much how much time will will it take so we need these numbers and usually it's, it's looking like uh, hey John uh, can you tell me how much time will it take for you to fix this bug and then this poor John has to come back with some number and say it will take two hours or it will take two days or it will take forever uh, so the output of the estimate is the number or a set of numbers. Sometimes if the, the team is more, you know, is, is smarter than, than, than other teams, then they use uh, uh, ranges of numbers. So uh, the, the, the programmers, they usually say it will take from five to 10 hours. So they give a range. They don't give the one individual number. So usually it's, it's better to give a range of numbers. But, but no matter what, it's, it's a number. It's some number which managers or the team has to use in order to predict what's going what's gonna to happen for the entire project and what can we uh, report to the upper management. Because the, the manager who is staying on top of the team, like the CTO or VP or whoever it is, or a customer, uh, they, want to, um, they want to know what's going to be the, the overall uh, estimate of the entire project. So when going to finish all this or when it's going to be the next milestone or when the next release is going to be um, delivered so we need these numbers that's my point and it's, it's all about numbers the estimating process is about producing numbers it's not about producing uh you know words and and and, and texts and saying something that you know we we, we may will we, we don't know 
it's all pointless. What we need to get is to, to get some numbers from, from programmers. So the, the biggest problem is that it's difficult to find that numbers and, and not just difficult, but it's difficult to make them accurate and precise. So we can't always say that the, the, the bug fix will take from one hour to 15 days. But that is not going to be, it, it's going to be accurate, but it's not precise enough. So you see the difference between accuracy and preciseness. So the accuracy means that we actually manage to, to give the number which, uh, which is realistic. So from one hour to 15 days is a realistic number because in the end, uh, the task will be delivered in, say, I don't know, seven hours. So from 1 to 15 days, 7 hours is somewhere in this range. So the range was accurate. So that was true. But it's not precise enough because it's too wide. I mean, the range is too big. So it's like saying that my weight is uh, approximately, uh, I don't know, 1,000 pounds. So that's, that's approximation is too big. So we, we, need, we need more precise numbers. Or the distance from here to... Uh, I don't know, to London is approximately 1 million miles. It's approximately correct, but the approximation is too wide. So the same here for the estimate. We cannot say from 1 hour to 15 days because it's not really precise enough. But, but at the same time, we can give a precise estimate. Let's say it will take 14.3 uh, hours. That's really precise estimate, but it's not accurate because in reality it took 7 hours. So in this case, the accuracy suffers, but the preciseness is pretty high. So we need a combination of these two elements. So it has to be accurate and it has to be precise. So if I would say that the task will be delivered in uh, 5 to 10 hours, that will be accurate because the reality will be 7. The, the actual number is 7. So from 5 to 10, it's accurate and it's, the precision is good enough. So that's the trick. So that's the, mm, I mean, that's the goal of a good estimation is to deliver the number or the range of numbers, which is at the same time accurate and precise. Uh, you can read, actually, I'll give you links below the podcast. The podcast. Uh, you can read a really great uh, book about the estimate, uh, estimating. Uh, uh, let me... Uh, it's called, let me, I want to try to give the, the right... About software, yeah, that's right. It's by Steve McConnell. Uh, it's called Software Estimation: Demystifying the Black Art. The book is awesome. It's it's ten years old, but it's really worth reading. I'll give you the link below. And this problem of the accuracy and precision is described in this book as well. And there are many other things. Um, so what happens? In most situations, what happens in most teams is that uh, what I've seen, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking from my practical experience, is that uh, in most cases, people just don't estimate at all. They just, uh, they just work. They just work. They just do, do develop the code. They produce some artifacts. They, they sometimes plan something. They have some uh, the backlog, they have some tasks, some tickets maybe, 
but they they sometimes make some predictions like let's finish this by the end of December or let's finish this uh, let's you know release all these bug fixes before the next trade show but the real estimating process is not really uh, in place they just don't do that for many reasons maybe because it's difficult it's boring it's uh, it's not just difficult boring but I think in most cases it just doesn't make any difference so either you estimate or you don't estimate still the, the, the project goes on still the customer needs the product still the customer um, or the business needs you to deliver what, what they need and no matter what you say in your estimates they're gonna still say okay go for it so it's not really it's not really now the situation on the market that the that the business uh, tells uh, the programmers what to do it's quite the other way around so programmers are telling the business what's gonna and what's going to happen and no matter what the programmers say business will just accept it so the business cannot really that's the that's the really you know unfortunate but really popular situation uh, in the world that uh, the software managers or people who are uh, hiring programmers and paying programmers they do not really control them they don't really manage them as the management you know means they just accept the fact accept what they deliver if you deliver in five hours okay be it five hours if you deliver in five days okay what can we do it's really difficult it's a complex uh, industry it's a really difficult uh, job to develop software there's so many unpredictable um, unpredictability there are, there are many many excuses for that and we programmers we know how to make that excuses we know how to explain the business why we we you know we missed all the milestones and then we say you know it was not so easy their technologies are not so stable all the different excuses and the, man, the management just has to accept that. The management just say, whatever beat, whatever you say, just, just keep doing it. Just be in the office, just stay working, just keep focused. And then we hope that you will deliver it before we run out of money. And in some cases, the business can manage that and they, can, they have enough money to handle this uh, situation. Sometimes programmers are uh, really lucky and really you know, self-motivated and they actually deliver what they what they uh, promise and they deliver faster than the business run out of money but in most cases most projects actually fail because because what happens is happens they just run out of money and programmers are uh, they run out of they they they, they go over, go over all the estimates made before so and that's why that I'm, I'm getting to back to my point is that that's why programmers just don't estimate at all because there is basically no point. So if I give you the number, you're going to take that number, but then if the number is going to be too big for you as a manager, then you will just, uh, you will just come back to me and uh, make my life just difficult. You will just say, why it's so high? You're not a good programmer. You cannot deliver it faster. I can find somebody else who can do it faster. And then I will have to explain you again why it takes so longer and again and again. And, and all these discussions, they just make no, no point because we both understand that it's going to take as long as, it was, as it's going to take. So programmers understand that, managers understand that, that the situation is not under control at all. So it will just go as it goes. 
Unfortunately, I'm not saying this is the good situation. That's that's what I that's what I've seen in many companies, in many teams, is that the management cannot really do anything with these numbers. That's why they are trying even not to ask for that numbers actually sometimes. So the management doesn't want to know that numbers because they, they, they may look scary, they may look uh, not accurate enough and then the management doesn't know what to do, how to make them more accurate and they may look not precise enough like I gave an example when programmers uh, are saying that it's going to take from one hour to one month and then what you can do as a manager in that case, what you're going to say back, like make it more precise. And then the programmer pushes back and says that that's the best I can do because, 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 and then the list of excuses go on, goes on. So managers are trying to avoid that estimating and programmers are trying to avoid that because just like I explained, because of many reasons. Sometimes people do this uh, sprint meetings, uh, sprint planning, and uh, when they do the scrum or something similar, so they have like blocks of, you know, time blocks uh, when they're planning to implement certain amount of features inside the time block. And, um, uh, and, then, they, uh, and then they try to estimate. They play this sometimes, this, this, uh, you know, this uh, estimate poker, or some other techniques. So they collect numbers from programmers. They, they get these numbers and then they try to put them together and make a decision whether, uh, whether the scope they have in hands is uh, implementable, is doable. So whether we can actually finish by the, by the allocated time or we cannot. In that case, that's, that's better than just asking programmers around the office how, how long will it take because in that case we are kind of more, we have a specific goal so we know that, uh, that there is some point in these numbers. So we know that to collect, we need to collect these numbers in order to make some decision and the decision is which tasks are not good for us right now. So we have like 20 different tasks on the list on the backlog and then we just estimate them somehow we get get some numbers from from developers and then we we summarize all the numbers and then we realize that the total is twice as big as we have for 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 the next two weeks and then we make a decision which task is not good for us and which task needs to you know wait in the backlog until the next sprint or until the next time period that is better that makes sense because in that, in that case numbers we need numbers for our own purpose so it, these numbers are for us for programmers it's not for somebody else who will judge us by these numbers but these numbers are for us it's better but still most teams are again my experience uh, most teams are not really doing this estimates uh, they, they started usually they when they start to adopt uh, agile and all these scrum techniques they are trying to do that but then in some time they just abandon all that and and just you know they make these numbers even if they do the planning still the numbers look uh, more like uh, it's like a formality it becomes a formality which uh, so the accuracy goes down so we the numbers they they, they collect every few weeks they're not really accurate. And in the end, by the end of the week, 
by the end of this time period, the results are not really relevant to the numbers they, uh, they collected. So that's, I'm getting to the second problem, what happens with estimates is that they have no effect. The first problem is that people don't estimate at all. And I said it before, because uh, nobody needs that or nobody knows what to do with the estimates because nobody can actually manage programmers. Nobody can actually uh, you know, make them do what needs to be done instead of just looking at what they're doing and just hoping for the best. So that's the worst case. A bit better case is when people actually estimate and they use that number for some planning inside the group. But then, again, my experience is that in the end, these numbers have really no effect. So when we plan, we collect the numbers. We collect these uh, predictions. And then when the two weeks are gone or three weeks are gone, then we don't really uh, look back at that numbers and say who was wrong and why did we make the wrong prediction. We just ignore them. So we use them in the beginning to do some planning. And then when the work is done, we just throw them away. We don't throw them away. We just never get back to them. We just don't pay attention to what we predicted before. Sometimes people do this uh, retrospective meeting, so-called, when they sit together and, um, and actually... Uh, look at the results but again I rarely I've never seen people blaming each other for wrong estimates and I'm, I'm using the word blaming here in a positive sense so blaming not uh, pointing fingers and uh, uh, trying to make somebody and to punish somebody for that but blaming meaning like like in, in git blame you know finding who was the uh, not the, the cause of the trouble but who was the provider of the numbers which were wrong and which are right. So that kind of blaming. So we need to find out who made who made and why made wrong decisions. I rarely or never seen that uh, done. So that's that's what's happening. And um, I think that uh, what what programmers are in most cases are uh, trying to do in order to solve both problems the first one is that nobody needs this I mean nobody wants the estimates and nobody needs them and when somebody asks you for them they don't want to see the realistic numbers and the second problem is that it's going to be no effect and uh, uh, most probably nobody gonna you know investigate properly what what happened so really frequently or I would say always people are using so-called the techniques is which is called padding it's a really popular and really bad practice for uh, for estimating area is padding I'll give you a link to the Wikipedia article about that. Uh, if you don't, don't know the word, uh, technically it works like that. Let's say I'm asking you how long will the task take and uh, you, you're a programmer, so you know more or less how long will it take. Uh, you know that it's going to take about like four hours if everything will go right and smoothly, so you will not have problems then it's going, to be take, it's going to take four hours. However, you also know that if, if things will go south, then 
and then and you will have problems then it may take you know up to 20 hours or maybe up to I don't know, 40 hours because you may have troubles with this software package you may have problems with uh, some other programmers uh, who you depend on you may have problems with this and that so you just know that four hours is an optimistic estimate it's really optimistic and uh, and 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 then you will need way more time if something goes wrong so you just add that time to your estimate and you come back to the manager with the number 40 so you take four and then you do the padding which is 36 on top of four and then you give 40 just to protect yourself just to make sure that you will not be inaccurate so and then you're just returning back the number 40 or maybe i'm over i'm exaggerating a little bit maybe not from 4 to 40 but from 4 to like 20 it's pretty easy so you know this is going to take you half a day and you say two days so you just multiply your task by four and say instead of four hours i'm going to take 16 hours Two days is pretty safe for you. You know that you will have enough time to cover all the possible unknowns which may happen, all the possible troubles which you may uh, experience on your way till the end of this job. And then you give me 16. I'm your manager, for example. Or I'm not like a manager, but I'm sitting together with you in the, in the group and we're planning and you're and like everybody's giving their numbers and you're saying 16 just to cover yourself, just to protect yourself against future uh, potential blame if it happens and just to be safe so this is called padding and then we all collect these numbers we collect this these numbers four four from everybody but instead of four everybody give me 16 i put these numbers together as a manager i have for example 10 people in the team and then 16 is the number from each of the person and then together it's 160 and then i multiply it by four again because I also want to cover myself. I'm a manager. I know that there could be many other problems and, and just, I just want to, you know, to be safe. And then I bring back to, uh, to my manager, I bring back like, what it is, uh, 60, 60, uh, it's 640. So instead of 160, I bring back 640 just to be safe. And that is called padding. And then the management using this number in order to, you know, to do the planning. And we all know that everybody down to the individual programmer, they all added this padding to their estimates. Why it's bad? Because the key problem with this approach is that, uh, is that we don't know what was the, the, what was the potential cause of this padding. So by just multiplying the number, we, in this way, we hide the very valuable information for the management of what may go wrong. So speaking in terms of project management, we sabotage the risk management process at all. So in the proper project management, there has to be risk management, which says that uh, all the risks which we may, which we may have we, meaning programmers, developers, testers, everybody, managers, uh, all these risks must be visible and must be under control. So what it means? It means that if I am a developer and my task takes four hours, but I know that uh, the server, where the test server, where I will need to test my software when I'm developing it, may not be ready in the next four hours, 
So I just multiply my estimate by 4 because I know that the server may not be ready. So I will need to wait for it. It will take some time. So let's just multiply it. But the information about that, that the server is my risk, that the server is something is, um, I depend on, and this risk, if it happens, if this risk occurs, then the duration of my task will, will be longer than the... Uh, then, then, then I'm saying now, that I'm planning, it's, it's going to be longer than four hours. So this fact, this information, is not going to be visible to my manager. And it's not going to be visible to his manager or her manager. It's not going to be visible to the CTO. It's not going to be visible to, this, to, the, to the higher management of the company. So nobody will see this information. So what I'm doing is just, I know this, this, this really valuable piece of information. And I hide it. I, I conceive it. I, uh, I kind of covered with my padding and then I return just number 16 to the upper management. So that's really, I'm doing really a bad favor for, for the management in general because the manager becomes, it, it becomes, uh, uh, the manager becomes, how would you say it? It's difficult for them to manage me because all they know is just number 16. They don't know my problems. They don't know what really, what really could be done to help me to deliver them four hours. So the right alternative to that, the, to this padding, is the proper risk management. So the proper, the proper way to estimate something is, the, is to give uh, the optimistic number always and say that uh, this task is so easy, I look at it now and I know that I can do it in two hours even. I can do it in two hours if nothing disturbs me, if nothing goes wrong, it's going to be two hours. However, here's the list of things which may make my task longer. For example, number one, the server which I'm using while developing that is not ready now and I'm sh I predict, I'm not sure, but I predict that it's not going to be ready in the next, in the next eight hours. So it's, it may be ready only tomorrow morning. So that's a risk. The risk number two, I may not be smart enough to solve this algorithmic problem in, in half an hour, which I think I can. It's just my prediction that I can do it in half an hour, but I may be not smart enough and then it will take another two hours to research something and investigate and, and, and do this, you know, some documentation reading and trying and testing. That's risk number two. The risk number three, for example, I, uh, uh, I, I think that right now I think that this open source library uh, is, is well documented. But in reality, it may be not as well documented as I predict. And that will increase my estimate by another three hours or maybe five hours. I don't know. So you will bring back to your manager or to your team the number which is the optimistic estimate, and then the list of risks which will make your estimate longer if they occur. Or, that's interesting to say, you may also include risks which are so-called positive risks. The risks which, if they occur, they make your estimate shorter. So you come back with the estimate which is not even the optimistic but realistic estimate realistic like it's going to take four hours but you may say you know if 
it appears that this open source library already has this algorithm implemented and I will not need to implement it myself, then the estimate will be, um, will be shorter by three hours. That's caused, that, that, that is called the positive risk. So you have negative risks, which will increase the estimate, and then you have positive risks, which will decrease the estimate. So you bring back all this information to the management and say, uh, my estimate, my realistic number is four hours, but here's the list of five risks which may happen, and some of them are negative, some of them are positive. And then it's the job of a and, and then and then it's a job of, of a manager what to do with this information. And all programmers should should always deliver information in this format. So every time somebody asks you to estimate the duration, always remember that that your job is not to do the padding, which is really a bad practice. Don't do padding. Don't increase your estimate just to cover yourself, just to uh, just to protect yourself against against risks. But make that risks visible. Make them accessible to the person who is asking you for the estimate. <clears throat> don't, I mean, don't try to, to be a hero and always be responsible for things which, which you cannot control. For example, this testing server. I can't control the delivery of it. I can't control whether it's going to be stable in the next, you know, six hours or not. So why, what's the point of 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 uh, trying to take responsibility for such a dependency, which is not yours. Instead, make it visible and say, my job is to implement that functionality, and that will take four hours. But uh, during the testing, I will be dependent on the server, which is not my responsibility, and if everything will go fine, it's going to be zero change to the estimate. But if something will go wrong, it may cause the delay of one day up to one month. So that's the information. So instead of saying that I will deliver in four hours, in, in like four hours or maybe one month, in that case, that information is absolutely uh, imprecise and, and, and absolutely useless for the manager because the manager doesn't understand why are you giving such a huge range in numbers and what I can do as a manager with this uh, with this huge uh, distance between numbers how can I how can I help you that's gonna be my next question how can I fix something in order to make this estimate more precise but if you bring me the, the just number four and then the list of risks it's absolutely obvious for me what I can do for you in order to help you to mitigate that risks. That's another term which is called risk mitigation. So that's what uh, the, the manager or the team will do in order to, 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 to improve the situation. So let's imagine we have a group of programmers, we ask them all how much you know, their tasks will, will take and they all come back to us with numbers and small, small lists of risks. Two risks here, one risk there, four risks there. So we put all these risks together in one spreadsheet. We'll look at them and then we prioritize them. So first of all, we look at the risks. We, we, put, we look at the risks from, uh, from their probability and impact perspective. That's a term from uh, risk management, uh, probability and impact. So for each risk, we, we define uh, how, highly, how high is the probability of their occurrence and what's going to be the impact if they occur. So 
So let's, for example, say that one programmer is saying that I can do it in four hours, but if the server is not ready, it will take way longer. And that risks come back to the list. And we, we need to define the probability. So to define the probability, we need to call the probably the DevOps department or DevOps person or, I don't know, the server provider and ask, uh, what's the probability that the, that the server is not going to be ready by tomorrow? And they will give us that information. They will say, you know, it's like 90% it will be there, but the probability of the risk is 10%. So 10%. It's their subjective estimate is that, yes, it may happen, that the server will not be ready. So we put 10% there. And then the impact, like high, how high is the impact? It will, it, will, it will impact one particular task or it will affect the entire team or it will affect the entire project. So we also put some number there. For example, it will only concern one developer. Okay, the impact is not that huge. So we put like, you know, again, 10% or something. Then we multiply these two numbers and we get a risk risk uh, rank and then we sort all the risks by this by this rank so we we, we build a list of them and uh, and we we, we understand uh, which risks are the most important and then the management or the entire team start focusing on these risks in order to do something with them so we may just say that uh, let them stay in the list and they may happen or maybe we can do something with some of them for example this server issue is really uh, important for us let's say it affects not just one programmer but a number of programmers and we there are many people depend on this server so this risk will go up in the list and then after the estimates are collected we we know the realistic number and we know that there is a list uh, there is a risk in the list which actually is quite important and if it happens it will affect many other uh, tasks and they all will take longer so what we can do we can define some uh, strategy for the list for the risk we can uh, agree what to do with this risk for example we can um, mitigate it somehow we can say how about we rent another server somewhere else just a backup solution just a reserve solution so we just uh we know that this main server is coming you know today but if it's not coming let's just rent some vps somewhere for like a few bucks and use it for the next you know day or so just to you know to cover uh, to cover the uh, the to, to to cover the consequences of the of the of this risk if it happens so if the main server uh, is failed to, to deliver, then we have a, a solution which, uh, which will prevent us from failing in other tasks. If everybody would just give us numbers with paddings, the management would not know about this problem with the server. The management would be just getting big numbers, putting them together with padding, and the management will just assume that this is the best we can do that this is the best, that all these people gave us 16 hours instead of 4 hours, all of them. So the management will just say, yeah, whatever, let's wait for 16 hours. And then all programmers will be just, when the server is not ready, they will be just sitting in the office and doing nothing, just waiting for the server. Why it happens? Because estimates were, were uh, included, uh, included the padding time for potential risks instead of 
making that risks visible for the management and mitigating them. So the whole point of management, not the whole point, but I don't know, like 90% of the management is about uh, identifying risks, mitigating them, monitoring them, and identifying again. So the more, the better you can identify your risks, the better you can mitigate them, uh, the better is the management you have in the team. And while uh, somebody is asking you to estimate something, this is exactly the moment when you can help them discover the risks. So don't, don't just bring back numbers to management, but always bring back risks, which you can, uh, which they can use. Of course, not every, not every manager will understand what to do with the risks. Of course, not every manager knows what risk management is and um, not every single person is uh, smart and educated enough to, uh, to use that information and to build this um, you know, qualitative and quantitative analysis of risks, to build that risk registry, uh, to analyze it, to sort it, to, you know, to define these uh, mitigation plans, some fallback plans. It's, it's, it's something which most people don't do, unfortunately. But I think we as programmers can actually try and start to solve that situation by, uh, by demonstrating that we know the risks and we are ready to, we are ready to professionally and um, formally uh, specify them. So not just saying that, hey, I gave you four, four hours, but keep in mind that there is a server problem coming in, coming up. So that, that's not professional. So always give a number and make your list like on a piece of paper or on the email or just make it more formal. Like say that there's a four risks which I know will affect my number and here's the list of them. And I know their priorities. I know what the potential impact will be, how much they will affect my estimate. And I'm, I'm, I, I'm informing you about that. Now it's your job what to do with that. I mean, the job of a manager. In um, the next step, probably what I wanted to mention is that uh, then you have to uh, monitor your risks. And um, uh, when we start working, like I said, first of all, we identify how we can... Uh, first, first of all, we identify risks. So when we estimate what needs to be done, we, we, we collect this information about risks and put them into uh, risk registry or risk list. That's the first step. The second step is that we define what to do with them. We define strategies, mitigation strategies, or maybe for some risks we will say we accept them, meaning that uh, if it happens, it happens. We just we just can't do anything with that. We don't have enough money for a new server. We paid a lot of money for this server. So let's just wait. We think that the provider is a reliable company. So they promised us to deliver today. If they don't deliver, okay, then we have a one day wasted and we accept it. That's also possible. Sometimes people do that. But you need to do this decision consciously. So we need to do this decision uh, understanding that this is the decision. It shouldn't be the decision which, which was made by itself. It's a decision made by the team. So the team accepted it. Uh, so for each risk, not for each, but for the top risks, we can, we can make some mitigation plans and decide what to do in order to prevent them from happening. Maybe most of the risks which are at the top of, of the bottom of the list, we may just ignore. 
because they are not uh, they're not so important they're called residual residual risks so the risks which we just ignore and we don't do anything with them we just we just let them stay in the list and pay attention to them and pay no attention to them and the last step is we need to monitor risk so when we start working we need to constantly periodically regularly uh, look at the at the risk registry and uh, see what's going on and check whether some of the risks uh, already occurred and it's time to do something uh, with their consequences it's called fallback plans uh, when, when the risk already is there and we know that it happened then we have a fallback plan like do something which uh, which will which will uh, fight with the consequences risk monitoring and of course by the end of this period end of your sprint or end of some time period which you were focused on do the records retrospective and look again at the, at, the, at the list of the risks and analyze how much you put there how much of them how many of them actually occurred and um, how many of you how many of them you were able to mitigate so do some analysis afterwards analysis of your risks that's how it should be it's not going to happen immediately of course because like i said we're used to work in a very different scenario we are used to uh we're used to situations not all of us but most teams are working as uh, you know they just flow go with the flow so we develop as fast as we can we're all reliable people we are all you know responsible people committed dedicated loyal whatever and we just we just want to deliver as fast as we can but unfortunately what happens is that the management is uh, is helpless it, it can it, it can't do anything with this and just observe the reality that's not how the management has to has to work we need proper risk management and to help the management to do proper risk management we have to make the first step we as programmers we have to make the first step we need to give them the information and having that information they will be able to do something something you know meaningful with that information because when we just do padding we just give them big numbers to to protect ourselves they can they, they don't have enough source they don't have enough material for uh, understanding what risks are so we need to give them that material we need to give them that uh, data so that they can manipulate with the data and make decisions so that was my point that's what i wanted to uh, to share with you that padding is a bad thing risk management is a good thing don't do padding do try to do risk management and see how it goes Mm, that's it for now thank you very much uh see you next uh monday that was uh episode number nine about padding and risk management bye bye